Girl Stories, Life Lessons, Turning Points, Service to Others, Truth, No Bullshit, Adding Value, No Smoke and Mirrors, Being the Pressure, Third Down and Ten, Win or Learn, Always the Underdog with a Chip on Your Shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From Service Academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. So today we got uh, Cliff Duman, uh, formerly Carl Duman, by birth name. Uh, we always called you Cliff. Um, Cliff, um, you, when Nishak sent me a text and was like, hey, you should get Dugan on or Dooman on. I was like, who's, who's Dooman? I don't Who know. That? I know Dugan. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought your name was Dugan. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I was way off. But um, this guy was a strength coach for Navy football for a lot of years, an associate professor. Um, and truly an unforgettable man of character, raised in Bolton, Connecticut, and, and currently reside in Arnold, Maryland. Uh, Cliff's journey, um, he, you spent a couple of years at Ohio State doing similar things before you got to Navy. And then at Navy, you're on your, what, 22nd year? This should be, but, uh, tw- I got here in 2000, so you can do the math. I'm just a dumb strength coach. Uh <laughs> Yeah, 23, 24 years. Tw- yeah. Goodness gracious. And what, 20, how many years with like supporting Navy football in the weight room, in the locker room? Yeah, 20, 23 years plus um, 23 I was an years. intern in 1995 as well. So I count that as that's, a year potentially. That's pretty awesome. Um, I bet it was fun for you. You know, uh, my senior year, we were able to go to the horseshoe that one year. I bet that oh, was man. fun. It was uh, spending a couple of years there. Yeah, dream come true. Awesome. Uh, you got a bachelor's of science in health fitness and a master's of science education and exercise science. Uh, yes, a lot, a lot of dudes had a lot of respect for Cliff. Um, you're also kind of the keeper of the lost helmet when guys got concussions. That <laughs> uh, bit of a Schaefer memory there, but I knew it was more than just him that you did that for um known for some of your crazy workouts very creative in that space um hobbies anything motorized mountain biking hunting fishing shooting golfing surfing and your kids in their sports so that's pretty cool um you know today we get to explore the many facets of cliff uh whose impact is felt far beyond the weight room in the classroom a man who embodies strength commitment, passion, and a little bit of the unexpected. So, <laughs> all right, memory section, first one. And I got a lot. I didn't think, you know, like I really started collecting these only a couple days ago and they just poured in. Uh, Bobby Doyle versus Air Force. It was either 2007 or 2009. We were we were on offense and a, a play comes to the sideline. There's a tackle made out of bounds by one of their safeties. Uh, and Bryce was there. He was our O-Rip. Uh, in front of the play, the dude gets up and looks at him and says something you shouldn't to that guy, specifically that guy. <laughs> and you had to be held back uh, in that scenario, I think. So that was, that was fun. Uh, 
<laughs> you're the sideline guy. Like, so in, in all the games, you're always like, guys, stay back, um, which is definitely a task uh, with that team. Um, what was the most heated experience you've ever had? Do you, you remember like a memory like this was the worst sideline event? Oh, man. I don't even. I know there's a lot, but. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this this past year at Army Navy might have been one of the worst things I've mm. been through in terms of being a part of Navy football, and probably yeah. um, my reaction to it was probably one of the worst things, just in terms of the aggravation and anger. But uh, I mean, there's been so many things that happened on the sidelines that, yeah, um, not even just the aggravation, but just some funny things, but. Or you know, trying not to get killed, or trying to keep Coach Green off the field. You know, <laughs> that was that was my main responsibility. Coach Green, uh, right? Coach Green, I had to follow. Coach <laughs> Brass made me follow him around because he he, he didn't really want to do it. I think so. Uh, <laughs> I got and swiped at quite a few times. You know, a lot of dirty looks. But I, th- no. you know, I think in the in the long run, he appreciated it. Me pulling him out of the way. Yeah. No, that uh, that goes a long way for sure when you got someone that can do that. Yeah, in the heat of the moment. Uh, all right, next guy, Craig Schaefer. Um, not necessarily a memory, but a huge shout out to Duman. Uh, going to our senior year, y'all did a lot of neck exercises. I remember some of that too because I was doing the same thing. Uh, the the towel exercise, the fifteen minute, twenty minute of the tough towel, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't easy. Um, credit him for, you know, for Craig, uh, credit you. He didn't have a concussion his senior year, which yeah, I is mean, huge for Craig. Yeah, maybe that helped out. You know, it's hard to always put a, um, you know, say that's, that was why it didn't happen or, but we put yeah. effort in at least in, in whatever it was, hopefully, you know, hopefully it had something to do with that, but. You know, that's all I'm sure good. it did. Like there, there's so many examples of the hard work put in on the front end that, um, you know, really pays off later and you don't really recognize it until later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was one for Craig that, that he brought up. So um, can't thank him enough for that. He was also uh, always the one babysitting me after I did get a concussion. <laughs> so it was a win win. Uh, Sovi, Clint Sovi, uh, an unsung inspirational coach, true players coach, the type that Navy players need. Uh, Jeff Lennar, y'all were able to wrestle a few years ago, maybe. Yeah, I used to. We used to go over there and roll around every now and again with some of the TADs, and you know, test our <laughs> test our prowess against each other. More, I think it was a lot of these guys that were going to TBS wanted to get some you know, work on the mats just so yeah. they go down there. But uh, I will say this, like when I first got to Navy, I had very little martial arts experience, jujitsu, any of that stuff. And a couple of guys put me through the ringer early on in my career. And it, it helped me along the way, help, you know, help these other guys. But I got hurt pretty bad a couple of times with those guys. Goodness. It was John Chan one of them. He's my next memory guy. It was, it was before John Chan, but um okay. Yeah, there was there was a few guys that like they'd wear me out. Who was uh who was your teacher of martial arts back in the day? Um 
Well, a lot of it we just we learned through the MCMAT program. They came up and they taught some of us some stuff. Uh, but also, I went out in town for a little while and started doing some jujitsu just so I'd get better at it. Okay. You know, because I was teaching it, I figured I better go practice it a little bit just so I, I have some uh, street cred. Yeah. So I went. That's huge. That. Yeah. The whole street cred thing. <laughs> and uh, the last memory, the guy that I got, um, he said that the math, you being a master of your craft and consistency and always looking for what do I need to know. So, all right. So, John Chan, remembers you for your uh, crazy workouts with Woolfolk. Um, wrestling with us second semester senior year where those guys were trying to lose weight you know um you helped him with his olympic lifting quite a bit um just a great guy and the type of strength coach that uh players love um next one ram bella he said ask you <laughs> what you thought because it's been brought up what you thought about uh when you <laughs> when he walked into workout with a hospital bracelet on yeah, that one time. Yeah, uh, couldn't remember that, but well, I remember that. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was, I was like, uh, man, this guy, he had a tough night, and he he's here, so <laughs> he showed I up. I want to let this guy work out, but then I'm like, but he's got a hospital band on. He seems a little uneasy, um, and I, I. You know, I always have this thing where I got like this guy on one shoulder and this guy on the other shoulder talking back and forth, telling me what to do. Yep. So sometimes I have a tough time making decisions, but I was like, you know what? He probably shouldn't be here because if some of the higher powers other than me see it, he might get in a little trouble. So, I gotcha. you know, I, I don't know if it was the right decision or not, but I was like, hey, uh, you better get out of here. Gotcha. And, you know, just had him call it a day and you know go rest a little bit because i you know i always want to reward people for coming in and doing the hard work after you have a hard night out but having the hospital bracelet still on and you know not knowing exactly what he just went through i i figured he better uh go rest it or sleep it off maybe a little bit i don't know nice all right next guy so matt neshack um, and he gave me a couple of questions to ask you. I, I developed this little list of rapid fire questions that we'll get to at some point with your experience there, um, you know, trying to corral a, a group like, like us. Um, but you were one of the guys that, you know, Nishak always sought out when he got back to Annapolis. He was like, I got to, you know, at some point I got to see Cliff. Um, and he was able to do that. Uh, that y'all had a 200 pull ups challenge. Did you. <laughs> Maybe Mike Walsh and him. Yeah, how'd that go for you? I can't remember. I think I think I might have beat him, but that's probably just based on body weight alone. Those guys are uh, <laughs> pretty big dudes, and I'm just a little guy. So, uh, but I yeah, it was we. I think we tore off some calluses and were pretty sore for the next day or so. I bet it was always fun to you know go after each other, and that I'll clear this up too. The Carl name. That was a that was a nickname that I got when I first got back to Navy. It was uh, kind of Wolfo called it my alter ego. Yeah. So um, Carl Dorman was like the I'm pretty much an introvert by trade. Um, got it. Carl so Dorman. When Carl came out. It was. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Two more memories, and then we'll roll into your story, uh, Doc Fair. Um, 
He said, on the inside, Cliff was so intense, but utterly cool on the outside. It was fun to watch him react on the sidelines. Uh, last guy. So, Coach Ken Neumont, Neumont Talolo. Um, Cliff was one of the most consistent people that he's ever been around. He looks the same. He practiced what he preaches. He still gets under the rack on workouts consistently, and he teaches the same. Awesome. Uh, a clear teacher who is a master at his craft, and he treats players um, and others around him with dignity and respect. One of the best professionals at uh, USNA, um, his labs are the weight room and Rip Miller. So, yeah, memory section done. What's the story? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm just a, I'm a little skinny kid from this town called Bolton, Connecticut. Not skinny, guys. This guy's ripped. <laughs> I was super skinny, and I actually, I people say I have body dysmorphia because I still, I think I'm still that skinny guy, um, you know, coming out of that little town. But um, you know, I, I, I say this too. I was an accident. My parents didn't mean to have me. My dad called. My dad called it a pleasant surprise. Um. Had a brother 15 years older than That's me, good. a sister 13 years older than me. Um, and uh, my dad was a PE teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, you know, just grew up in this small town out in the country. Uh, grew up kind of on a farm. My my grandparents had a farm, and when they, they kind of moved um, away and gave the farm to all their kids, so I my parents had a piece of that farm, so wasn't a whole lot to do out there. Um, you know, I, I had older brothers, older cousins. They were, they used to shoot things, blow up things, ride motorized vehicles everywhere. So I didn't, you know, I, I grew up thinking that every time you left the driveway or came into the driveway, you're, you're leaving a patch of rubber in your car. So just a, just a interesting, you know, way to grow up. Um, they were pretty much blue collar. Uh, didn't, you know, mechanics, carpenters, things of that nature. So I, I really didn't know what I was going to do with myself, but being one of the younger ones, I had one cousin that was two years older than me, but I was the youngest out of everybody. So I guess I kind of escaped hanging out with all them. So I kind of had a different path I took than the rest of them and ended up, you know, eventually you know, after I left high school, going to college, took me a few times to find find the right college, but eventually um, found the right college, this place called Springfield College in Massachusetts. And really, that's how I ended up at the Naval Academy. Had I not gone there, I never would have ended up at this place. Probably would have never um, had a career in what I have a career in. So, why do, you, why do you say that? Well, I mean, this was never on the radar for me. I was... I actually, um, the first college I went to, I was a communications major, and I thought I wanted to be a, a motocross photographer. Um, I had a sister that had a boyfriend. My sister had a boyfriend that was a professional motocross racer, so I used to go to all these races growing up, and I'm like, man, I love this stuff. And, you know, I, my, my parents weren't buying me dirt bikes to ride when I was little. So uh, the next best thing was taking pictures of it. And my brother and sister both were into photography. So I was like, I think I'm going to do that. So I went to my first college and um, 
I changed my mind pretty fast because it was just, it wasn't for me. I'm a pretty active person and a lot of that's not, I mean, I guess photography can be active, but I needed to do something more physical. So ended up, you know, ended up leaving school, went to a community college and then ultimately ended up at Springfield. Gotcha. Is there any like kind of connection you had from Springfield to Navy? Like you knew someone there or. Yeah, actually, um, the strength coach, Phil Emery at the time, which I'm sure you all heard of, he had a little bit of contact with Springfield and they had done, I'm trying to think how many kids went down there before me, but probably eight to 10 interns prior to me even going there had come down at different points throughout the years. So we had an internship program set up through them. And at the end of your, um, it was part of your senior year for a semester, you had to do an internship. So I just went and looked through the book and ended up, you know, Navy was there and I'm like, well, what's this place? I don't know anything about this place, but it says strength conditioning. And, you know, I had learned during my time there that there's this thing called being a strength coach and you can go, you know, you basically teach people how to work out. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Cause I like working out and, uh, ended up, you know, calling down and, they took me and I came down for the summer of uh, 1995. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, the guy that Clint Bruce called out is they, they called Phil Emery the like Satan or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was his nickname. Well, it was, they wrote a book. It was called civil war and that's what, you know, that's what yeah. they had mentioned in there. So it kind of stuck and yeah, he was a, he was an intense guy. He was a big intense guy and players, you know, they loved him. Yeah, I think, so. well, I don't know if all of them loved him, but the ones, you know, the ones like Clint Bruce and guys like that, yeah. they loved him. So that's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, no doubt. Sounds like he cared. Yeah, he definitely did. All right, cool. So what happens after that? Um, well, I do, I do that internship and, um, you know, I, I immediately fell in love with the place and the, just the type of person that was at the academy, especially on the football team. I mean, you're talking about guys like, you know, Clint Bruce, um, Travis Cooley, like Chris McCoy. There's so many of them. Just a great, it was a great time to show up at Navy. It was Charlie Weatherby's first year. And, um, you know, Paul Johnson was part of that staff. Ivan Jasper, Coach Nehemiah, you know, so many other guys. And uh, so after that, I, I, I stayed for the summer of 95 and I stayed for the football season of 95 and left after, right after the Army-Navy game, I left. So anybody that wants to be a strength coach, um, you pretty much have to, had to do a graduate assistantship. So I was searching and searching for those, but because of the timing, um, it was the winter, so second semester for school, and I didn't have anything lined up, so... I um I ended up being the strength coach at the University of Hartford, which is a real small school in Connecticut. Yeah, I remember getting uh, letters back in the day from from that college. Okay, so I just worked basketball for that semester, and then uh, ended up finally getting a graduate assistantship at the University of Dayton in Ohio, and then pretty much packed my bags and headed out there. Gotcha. Cool. So you do that and then Yeah, so that's a that's a two year GA. I didn't I actually didn't work in the weight room, which was not really what I wanted to do, but 
it was a way to get um, grad school paid for. And, uh, you know, I, I worked as a teaching assistant. So a lot of classroom stuff, you know, we still, we taught some strength conditioning courses. So that was, that was good. Um, and then, you know, after that two years, uh, Phil Emery called me and he's like, Hey, he's like, Hey man, you want to come to the Navy? So he had a job open. Damn well. And I'm like, well, we, so we started talking about it and I, I, I find out the pay and here I am with a master's degree, you know, um, how old am I? I'm 20, I think I'm 26 years old at that time. And he's like, pay $16,000. And I'm like, let me, let me think about that. So now I'm, I'm fighting. What was the price of gas back then though? Shoot. I don't know, but (laughs) $16,000 in Annapolis, Maryland, wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. So this is 1998. Um, and you know, I'm fighting the demon because I want to go back to Navy so bad. It's, you know, I'm done with college, but I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to live on that pay. Yeah. So I, I tell him no. And, um, I, you know, I'm searching and searching for stuff to do. And I end up doing another internship at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. So I head out there for that summer, summer of 98. And then, um, again, another, you know, one of those forks in the road, and had I not done that, life would be totally different than it is right now. Thanks. So I go out there. Um, you know, I work with the Olympic sports, some wrestlers, some volleyball. I'm living out. You know, I'm, I'm, they give you room and board. I'm making like it's something crazy, like a dollar fifty an hour. But I work so many hours, I got paid. You know, somehow I get paid double time or something like that. So I'd make, you know, after two weeks, I'd make like 300 bucks or something. I don't know, something crazy. But uh, I ended up meeting my wife there. So nice. um, everything yeah. happens for a reason. Yeah, she was an intern out there. Um, she she actually had another year left at Indiana University. Um, so then, you know, I'm, I get done. You know, we, we're, I'm only out there for a summer we get done. She's going back to school and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to go back to Connecticut and just find a job. I might, you know, go work for my uncle. Who's a, he owned a, a post and beam barn business. Cause I did some of that back when I was growing up, worked some construction. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden I get a call from this guy that I went to college with at Springfield. And he's like, Hey, I'm at Ohio state. we got a job open. You interested? So I talked to Shannon, who's my wife, about it. And, um, you know, she had one more year at Ohio State for Indiana. And Ohio State's about three hours away. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe we can make this thing work. So I, I go and, you know, on the interview, end up getting it. You know, long story short, we end up doing the long distance thing for a year. She graduates and then moves out to Ohio State with me for my my second year there. Awesome. Cool. And then what took you to Navy from there? Well, the guy that took the job for $16,000 was disgruntled because he wasn't making enough money. Um, you know, they had, they had had enough of him and he was getting out of there going somewhere else. And they called me again, but, um, this time Phil Emery wasn't there. Phil Emery had left. I think he might've left that summer in 98 or just beyond that and got into scouting. So he ended up getting out. And uh, gotcha. Kirk Wolfolk was there. there so, 
Good dude. So I go out, go out, interview with them, and uh, you know, again, end up getting the job and pack my bags and make my way to Annapolis again. So that's that would be in August of two thousand. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. So then you get to Navy. Get to Navy. So just how's actually, that going for you? Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just gotten married. We moved out there, um, and I get back, and I'm like, man, this isn't what I remember. Football wise, I'm like things had changed a little bit. They, they weren't yep. doing so well. Change is constant. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I get there. We have a one in ten season, and then the second year, which would have been 2001, was over. Went over, and I'm huh. like, damn. And Coach Weatherby gets fired halfway through, and I'm like, this is not good because I'm about to get fired. So, you know, me, Wolfolk, uh, you remember Rhett Warren, big guy? Yep. Coach Murdoch, older guy. We all go downtown to Buddy's, start drinking some beers. We're like, well, this is it, fellas. I'm like, you know, nice knowing you. <laughs> you know, kind of contemplating life, what we're going to do. And then end up, you know, we go back and do our thing. I think we were trying to hold it together and coach and all that. And then – New staff gets hired. Coach Brass comes in. And then, you know, kudos to him. He didn't fire any of us. Nice. Kept us. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Yeah, he, I mean, I didn't, well, when I first met him, I was like, oh, man, he's going to fire me. And then, you know, forever. <laughs> Why would you think that? Why would you think that? He just, he, his personality wasn't, uh, he wasn't very talkative. He, he didn't give you much indication what he was thinking. Yeah. I think it took me maybe a year, two years, or three years to kind of break through and get him to actually like joke around a little Opened bit. Open up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, he would Houston say, Hey uh Cliff, could you come to the office before you leave at the end of the day? And he'd say this at like eight o'clock in the morning. I'd be like, Man, he's gonna fire he's gonna fire me. I'm like <laughs> and all day I'd be waiting, then I'd go to the office and he'd say he'd be like Hey, uh, do you know anything about this, like, car, you know, type of, you know, I'm going to be like, dude, you couldn't ask me that earlier. You made me stew on that all day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and that, you know, that led to a pretty long relationship with Coach Brass. Good. Awesome. Um, well, well, Dale, so anything else at Navy? I mean, you, you've been there for a long time. Anything else stand out in your career that, before I start hitting some questions. I mean, I, I've worked with just about, well, early on, I worked with a bunch of sports. Um, and then the guy, Coach Murdoch, he left. And I moved into his government teaching position. Um, so that was in 2004. I moved into that. And then really, that's probably what has kept me there so long is that I had this this position that was, it ended up being a tenure track position, like a professor, which is kind of funny that I even I even uh, relate to myself as a professor. But technically, that's what I am. So I got tenured as a professor in 2012, I think it was. So that means pretty much I'm permanent employee. Thanks. Cool. What do you like about teaching? Uh, I think it just changes up. 
your day. I mean, you get to you get to experience the the average midshipman, and uh, it just it gives you a little different perspective on the whole academy. So it's it's hard being in a weight room all day. You know, if you're there for 12, 14 hours, it's just yep. a little bit of a different you know different way to handle things. You're teaching some different stuff and gives you some variety. Yeah, you get to mingle with the general population, as I call them. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> what has the general population taught you? Oh man, I don't, it's uh, that's a tough question. I just think there's uh, there's a lot of different people out there, and honestly, like being at the academy, like it's hard for me to go out into the real world because you don't realize like what's out there you're like kind of in this place where most of these people are overachievers if you will and then you go out into the real world and you're like oh man this is this is different out there yeah but uh you know like i always i always say that i i break down the brigade into like the 33.33 percent rule i call it i go 33 percent are great 33 percent are somewhere in the middle and 33 percent are are not you know, yep, so that's a whole uh, every barrel of apples story, right? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, cool. Um, I'm not going to hit the rapid fires yet. I got to ask: Did you have a good game day prep routine? No, I had no. I had no game day prep because I wasn't playing. Yeah, but- I know, but we all had like the superstition <laughs> type of. Yeah, thing, like I, you know what I, I, Paul Johnson was one of the most superstitious guys I've been around, and to some extent, so is Coach Nehemiah. Yeah, and uh, I kind of, I, I kind of do the opposite of lots of people, I guess. I, I'll walk under a ladder. I don't care if a black cat crosses me. <laughs> uh, I, I had no, no real superstitions or anything like that. I just kind of showed up and did whatever was asked of me and then, you know, tried to enjoy the game. Gotcha. All right. Let's hit the rapid fire. So these are questions that as I think about, okay, here's a guy that's been around the program for a long time. Um, what do guys want to hear from a guy that's seen, seen it all, right? Seen all the different types, the changes and all that kind of stuff. What was the oddest, unusual pregame ritual you've ever observed or experienced out of somebody <laughs> you don't have to name the individual but yeah just um, what that thing was I'm trying to think i mean <clears throat> there was a handful of guys that would you know just scream just you know um i think we'll probably one of the oddest was probably lane jackson i'll name a name who okay. i just ran into um nice the other day, I'm gonna uh, get him on here at some point too. Yeah, he. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he would either. I think it was him that would just be in tears, like crying, like literally, like crying before he went out to play. Yeah. Um. And then you know he would just go out there and unleash it. Yes. Awesome. So there, you know, there, lots of guys, you know would be aggressive. Some guys would just sit there and put their head down and rock back and forth and, you know, all different. Yeah, yeah for sure. Awesome to see. 
Cool. All right. So the game, uh, to your memory, um, where the guys had the most people, the most players after the game was over had to get an ID. Mm-hmm. Do you have one Whew. of those? I don't, I I don't necessarily I remember a game <laughs> of that set. Well, I didn't travel. I didn't start traveling to all the games until fairly recently, like 2018. Gotcha. So I was at all the home games from real early on, but I had other teams, so I didn't travel to everything. But I got you. You might be referring to Duke, maybe. A hundred percent Duke. Yeah, Duke <laughs> when they gave that. us a non-air uh, conditioned place to prepare for the game in halftime, yeah. and it was like super humid and temperatures like today across the America. You know, with all these heat advisories and stuff, it was those the the conditions were set, right. and uh, and Duke did a good job of setting us up for that. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so. Most memorable pregame feeling. Now that could be like because of a speech or a location, etc. The buildup of that event. Do you have one that stands out in your mind? Well, I mean, I, I went to Notre Dame in in '09, um, so I was there for Bobby's speech. So that was uh, nice. That was something else, and you know, and when it plays out, you know, even coach's speech, you know, when it plays out like he had, had said it would, especially at a place like that, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's probably 07. Was it? I'm thinking. No, 07 was the first win. Okay. All right. So it was 09. Yeah, it was 2009. It. Yeah, your, your memory's better than mine. So. Well, it's not great, but I do remember that. Except- yeah, too many undocumented concussions, I think. No doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your best or favorite bowl game experience? Oh, there, there's been so many great bowl games. Um, I mean, Missouri was really cool, the Texas Bowl. Yeah. Um, it's a it's probably tied with 2019 when we played uh, Kansas State. That was a that was a great bowl. That was a great win. Great game. Nice. Cool. All right. So this one might get a little sensitive, but what's your favorite class? Of my dudes? favorite. Oh, my favorite class. Yeah, Nishak told me to ask you that one. So yeah, that's a that. that's a tough one. Tough to call out a favorite class. I mean, let yeah. me just say this: like, there's been so many great. Navy football has had some of the best people I've met, you know, in my life. Yeah. And, uh, I, I have so much respect for the guys and, you know, what they go through and how they, you know, how they carry themselves, how they play and even how they go have fun. And it's, it's been hard for me as a, you know, as somewhat of a coach, you know, somebody that's supposed to be a coach. I feel like, a lot of these guys made me feel like I was, you know, a part of the team. Like I felt, yeah, I never felt. you made a big impact for sure. That's well, why I, mean, I wanted I to never, get you on here. I never felt like I, I, again, here's the inner struggle I have. I'm supposed to be this, in this position of leadership, but I feel like I'm hanging out with these guys, like, you know, having fun. So. That's a good thing. Yeah, I, 
I always struggle with that because I'm like, I got to get these guys to work harder or do this or do that. Yeah. No. Then I'm like, man, I There's feel like. There's a balance there. There's a dichotomy about it, right? Yeah. But, but I, you know, fortunately for me, most of, most of the time, you guys got after it so much, it was, it was just easy. So, awesome. but I, you know, in terms of a, a class, there's been so many good ones. I think, I think there's only been a few like in terms of a whole like that were super special in terms of just a a large group of individuals having this common like bond like the majority was was together like that yeah so i mean i remember in in 1995 seeing that for the first time like this they always say the in 1995 the sophomore class was this class that got things, you know, kind of in the going in the direction that they wanted to be going, and then you know, you know, there's been so many after that, so it's just hard to name it. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely a trick question with this audience, but uh, <laughs> you definitely answered it well. Um, all right, so who's that one freak athlete that you'll never be able to understand how they did it? Freak athlete, like yeah, you're saying so, in terms of like when I yeah, like this is like the one that just blew your 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 mind away with how crazy talented this person was um, on so many different levels. Stood out, whatever. Doesn't no work ethic here. I'm not talking about work ethic. I'm talking yeah. about ability to just knock whatever it is out of the park. Well, I'm gonna. This is a guy I always go to because when I first looked at him, I was like, this guy, how's he even play football here? You know what I mean? Like, so Greg Jones was Greg like, Jones, dude, speed demon. Yeah. I, I looked at him, you know, probably his plebe year. And I was like, this guy even play football. Like he's just a little skinny, you know, didn't look like much. Yeah. And then having witnessed some of the stuff he did on the field was Really impressive. Yeah. And I still uh, go back to that name when people ask me about receivers, like some of the best receivers I've seen. San Antonio he, guy, I think. Yeah, he's, he's one of them. I mean, but again. Played, I think he played with my cousin. Did he? I think. Yeah, yeah, in San Antonio. But there's so many guys that I could say that about, especially at Navy, that were just just super impressive. You know, I I hate to just name one. It's... it's um, yeah, well, um, Greg Jones is the one that popped up, so we'll stick with that. <laughs> I know there's many, right? But that's that's pretty cool. Um, some of the funniest. All right, so this goes back to uh, a memory from Adam Horn. Um, you know, he he said you're a great dude, and then you got to ask him some of the funniest stuff that you walked into. Um, within Ricketts Hall when you were making some rounds. Ricketts Hall is the locker room slash place where you can get away for the football guys. Um, appropriate thing, of course, but what's the funniest situation you may have walked into? On you want appropriate? <laughs> yeah, appropriate, please. Um, man, I don't even know. <laughs> There's... Uh, I mean, the one the one that comes to mind is is this is about Nichek, and I'll nice. keep it I'll keep it as appropriate as I can. 
Good. Um, he was in the locker room, you know, where the, the stalls are, and he had a trash can out, and he's got one leg up over the trash can, and he's he's manscaping there with nothing on. And I come walking, <laughs> I come walking in, and I kind of like, uh, I think I said something like, "Oh, you got a date tonight?" He's like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> I just went to the bathroom, walked out, and just left it at that. Nice. But yeah, that's that's one that comes. I'm, I'm sure you got a pretty big bank there of uh of funny stuff but yeah 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 because you know that was that was our getaway place you know oh, yeah. a, a a piece of work you know like when it comes to like doing the work but also uh, the ability to uh you know you know kind of like i said get away so um last rapid fire one is uh who was your biggest weight room effort guy your standout player in the weight room, the guy that just, you know, had that little bit extra there um, that spent the extra time to figure out, you know, how to get to where that person wanted to be. Again, so many, so many guys. Um, I, I'll think like, I think back to early on when I got there and um, there was this guy named Babatunde Akabemi. He's another one I'm trying to get on here soon. Yeah. He used to come in after practice or stay after lifts and just do some extra work. Um, so I always remember him doing that. Ross Pospisil, like we'd kick him out of the weight room. He'd be out, you know, in the hallway or in the grass, like doing extra crunches. Um, yeah. I could never keep up with that guy. That guy was always pushing. Yeah. I mean, those are the the two main ones that stick out because they were always trying to be there afterwards but in the weight room you know i'm doing people a disservice by not mentioning them because there was there's a there was a lot of hard working dudes there yeah no doubt uh, but bimmy and pospiso were the the ones that and it makes well, sense just because they were they were trying to be in the weight room when you were trying to get them out of there. Yeah, you're like, hey guys, I gotta go home. Get out of here. <laughs> I can't afford you to drop some weight on yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember Bimmy when I was doing all my recruiting trips. He was the guy that um, you know took me around to a few places in the caddy. Uh, and caddy. Oh yeah, and then he ended up being uh, a coach at Naps when I was there as you know my Naps year. Yeah. So yeah. really good dude. And obviously, there's nothing like, you know, I can't say enough about Ross. Um, well, yeah, I'm I, uh, sure I could have come up with some more cool rapid fire questions, but I thought those would be fun to talk about for the group that listens to this and, you know, with your experience and, you know, pretty cool stuff. Um, let's see. And before I keep on asking questions, there's anything else that, you know, from your Navy experience that you want to bring up so I can buy myself some time before I figure out which question I want to ask next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's been probably, I've, I've pretty much been raised by Navy football. I like, I like to say, because I kind of grew up, like I said, you know, my parents, um, they had me late. Uh, I think they were pretty tired when they had me. So they kind of, 
left me on my own. Fortunately, I had a brother and sister that were old enough to start taking me to do things. Otherwise, I probably probably wouldn't have done anything. Um, so, you know, like I didn't I didn't get a whole lot of guidance from my parents. You know, I kind of had to learn about life on my own, yeah. so to speak. So, I uh, fortunately I was able to work under some great coaches with some great individuals and or great teams. And uh, I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure the way I raised my kids is based off of a, a majority of what I learned from Navy football. Nice. So I started to make, you know, numbers on the questions I want to ask. I want to jump straight to what's your leadership slash North Star philosophy? Like when you operate day to day, what do you keep on the forefront? You know, from a values standpoint, how do you do the work? How do you prioritize all that kind of stuff? Philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I just try to... um I just try to be who I am. You know, I try not to put on a show, um, which is sometimes in this field probably tough because that's what I think a lot of strength coaches do. They're, they kind of put on a show. Um, it's more like a WWE, like a uh, wrestling persona for some. And I, I never yeah. did that. Um, and I kind of got away with it, I guess. I, uh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have been a strength coach. Really, I'm kind of introverted. I don't really like being in front of people. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like, um, you know, I truly, really don't like to talk that much. Um, but, you know, I just try to, I guess, if you, you know, not to be cliche, but lead by example. I try to yeah. do what I say I'm going to do when I'm going to do it, you know, hold myself accountable. Um, you know, and just try to be a good, you know, good human being. Yeah, that you definitely do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a, a group text I got going on with, uh, Nishak, uh, Jordan Stevens and, uh, Lenar, uh, looking for a wrestler name. The, the name is escaping me. Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah. When you brought up that wrestling comment, I had to bring out some Ric Flair. You don't like being the center of attention, right? No, so no. You're, not, you're, you're no Ric Flair. No, no Ric Flair. Gotcha. All right. So talking about culture, if our class timeline, you know, give or give or take a, a few years was a baseline, any interesting changes along with the regime uh, or sorry, regime change that's going on with maybe football nowadays? Like right now? Yeah, I have no idea. That's what I'm asking. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think probably most people would be excited about where they're going with it. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm, I was only around it. I, when the change happened, I made the decision to, um, to step away um, more so just because I kind of, over the last few years, I kind of had a, just a change in the way I was thinking. COVID, you know, I got some time off with COVID. It, uh, I got to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, and I'm like, realized kind of what I had been missing. Um, yeah. I turned 50 
And I was like, man, Dude, you're 50. You're in better shape than I am. I got some <laughs> catching up to do. You'd be wow. proud of me. I've lost uh, 18 pounds over the last month and I'm starting to build my muscle back. So that's what you got to do. You got to focus on building the muscle. Heck yeah. Well, I'm just fighting to keep it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, it just, it just changed the way I was thinking. And I was like, I, because I'm a tenured professor, I was like, you know what? I, I, I kind of came in with this staff in 1995 and kind of rode the wave all the way through. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is a time to just make the move and step away. That's and it, it was, it was a real tough decision. Cause I'm like, man, you're, you're quitting, you know, you're, you've been doing this, you should keep doing it. And then, you know, I talked to my wife about it. Just my kids are busy with sports and my wife. What kind works. of sports are they into? Uh my older one, he plays soccer, swims, runs track, dabbled nice. in wrestling a little bit. Um, he's to be determined. Um, my little one, he's the one. He's tiny. It's crazy. He's nine years old. He weighs like fifty-three pounds. He's got you can see through his skin basically. But he's he's an athlete. He plays ice hockey, lacrosse, baseball. Right now, that's that's the three. Um, gotcha. Cool. He wants to do. He's pretty good at. The thing about now is, um, you're probably finding out everything's year round now. It's yeah. You don't do things like half-assed anymore. The, the, the seasonal sports, and you dabble in it for a little bit and see what you know becomes of it. It's it's once you find that thing, and it's you know, yeah, like like anything today is all right. You're a hundred percent in. You know, right? What China does with their kids is right. We yeah. found something good for you, and you're. This is your thing. <laughs> yep. No, no questions. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, mentors for you. Do you have a good standout mentor that you've had in your life? I mean, if you're if you're talking career, like I mean, Phil was a big part of it. Um, Coach Wolfolk was a big part of it. Even Brass. I mean, to some extent, I. Um, if you're talking life, I mean, my brother and my sister, they, they did a lot with me when I was little. So I kind of learned some stuff from them. Um, but honestly, like, like I said, like the second, I feel like it's a second half of my life from the time I started at Navy till now, like the players there, like, you know, imagine showing up as like this kid from a small town. I, I went to college, but I mean, I don't know how much I actually learned in terms of college. You know what I mean? I yeah, basically no, worked, I worked, here. Gym, yep. worked at a gym, went to classes. I didn't hang, I didn't party a whole lot, a little bit here and there, but not a lot. You know, I kind of just trained and, you know, worked. And then, you know, I, I show up at Navy and there's this guy, Clint Bruce, giving speeches. And I'm like, what the, who the hell am I? Like, I'm a, I, I can't even, compare to that you know some of the words coming out of his mouth and i'm like so many guys throughout the years so many coaches throughout the years have inspired me in the way i just live life and um you know treat people and uh raise my kids and that's a a good memory to bring back up from what Nehemiah had to say about you was that so good stuff um, you know, sometimes I bring up the the favorite coach story. I'm going to do that with you. Do you have a good 
uh, favorite coach memory from a uh, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I had, standpoint. I got a real good one. <laughs> nice. Um, and nobody probably would know about this unless I told them. But again, I'd agree. You know? There's been there's been so many good coach. It wasn't Buddy, but there's been so okay. many good coach stories. But um, this is this is a Coach Spence story. Oh, Spence, which is Hi, Alka. <laughs> so many good ones about him. But I show up at um, it's like a spring practice at the stadium. I always like getting places early, especially when I don't, I don't have much going on. I'll show up an hour early and just sit there and, and stare at things and think. But uh. So I get there an hour early or so, and soon after I get there, Coach Spence comes rolling in, and I'm sitting all alone out on the field, you know, and uh, at the stadium, and he comes walking over, sits down, and he goes, kind of looks at me, and he goes, Coach, he goes, we're friends, right? I'm like, yeah, Coach, we're friends. He's like, could you do me a favor? I'm like, yeah, Coach, what do you need? He's like, could you rub this lotion on my head? And I'm like... <laughs> I go, I ain't letting this guy out weird me. So I go, sure, coach. I go, I take the lotion. I squirt it in my hand. He leans over and I'm rubbing his bald head with my hand, putting the lotion on his head. Nice. I'm like, what? I'm Puts like, the what lotion the on the skin. What the hell just happened here? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm not letting this guy out weird me. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he ended up getting uh, skin cancer, right? Oh yeah, well, yeah. That's one of the stories too. Yeah. Coach, how was your summer? And he belts I out got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So today, like, what's your typical training routine for for you personally? Like exercising? Yeah. Oh, you know, that that that's your thing. Like, yeah, I want to I... know like what you do as a you know in your fifties <laughs> uh, to to keep it sharp. So I'm, uh, I'm the, like, I guess, like coach said, I'm the master of consistency. Like I, I call it being, uh, consistently consistent. Um, yeah, awesome. I pretty much, I, I eat almost the same every day. I go, you know, I go train almost the same every day, but long, I mean, to keep it simple, I go in there, I still snatch, I still clean, I still squat, I still deadlift. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I train full body every day. So what I, I say this, I go, what I, what I lack in intensity, I make up for in frequency. Gotcha. Good stuff. I'm doing this whole every other day pushes and pulls. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, that's kind of how you guys taught me was yeah push day to pull day. Um, and if I'm good, I do it every other day. And if I'm not good, then I do it every three days on the cycle. Um, but it definitely works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the thing about, about training. Like the, the problem now is there's so much online Instagram, you know, you see so much stuff out there and it's like, you, you don't know how to put it together. Yeah. But honestly, like if you're consistent with something that's physical, you're going to reap the benefit of it. No doubt. So, you got to be consistent with your training. You got to be consistent with your eating. And then you got to be consistent with your recovery. If you gotcha. do that more than not, you're going to, you're going to reap a reward from it. I've also been doing, so tell me if I'm doing it right or not. 
Um, I've also been doing pretty much like uh, a lot of veggies, salad, and from a protein standpoint, either chicken or like steaks every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I eat chicken steak. Well, I, I don't buy steak as much anymore because I, I can't afford it, but uh, I, I eat at least probably two or three times a week, throw in some salmon there. Chicken is obviously the main mainstay. Um, yeah, vegetables gotcha. are great. Still, you still got to fuel it, so you still need some carbohydrates. So, yeah. rice, potato, even pasta to some extent. Obviously, like I, I told you, I was this little skinny kid, so genetically, um, I, I typically fight to keep it on. Where gotcha. some people genetically have to fight to keep it off. So I'm lucky in that sense. So I can get away with a little bit more than maybe some people can. Gotcha. Are there any key, uh, vitamin supplements that you take? I mean, I, I researched, uh, well, I've been taking creatine forever for like 20 something years straight. Never. Gotcha. I may have came off it for a year or something like that, but yeah. after doing some research on that, I'm like, it seems pretty safe. So I take that. I've been doing that multivitamin, do a little vitamin D fish oil, um, ginger root. And then I do this stuff called ashwagandha, which is if you, if you do some research on like natural testosterone boosters, you'll come up with probably the majority of what I named there. I think I've written that down before as I need to try that, but I've yeah. really done it, so you just talked me into it. So. <laughs> I just, you know, like I said, I go, it's it's an insurance policy trying to just maintain some uh, some muscle mass. Yeah, yeah, after, after the age of 30, you have to really maintain it or it starts to, to leave, it starts, right? It starts to disappear. For sure. Uh, I, definitely your performance starts to disappear. I really noticed that in my mid-40s mid to upper forties. I'm like, I can't jump as high. I can't lift as much. So that's when I kind of switched over to the full body stuff. Not, not training as heavy and hard, but just doing it more often. Consistently. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Right. Um, so, so back to your, uh, strength and conditioning in the, in the locker room and, you know, Schaefer already brought up your, you know, the towel, um, workout. Like, do you have any special techniques in identifying key strength and conditioning program type of things for individuals versus the mass? Um, I mean, to me, most people are after the same thing. Like they want to be lean. They want to have muscle. Um, they want to be able to do whatever activity they're trying to do. So really you're just after, you know, a strong, strong body that can run, jump and, you know, push some weight. So there's not a whole lot out there that I think you need to do special to get there. Like I said, I've been, I've been doing Keep it simple. The basics. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Um, if you if you need to, you know, energy wise perform differently, like if you're a wrestler as opposed to a shot putter, 
like then you need to add some different things in there for your energy systems. But with the weight training, really it's, it's all very similar and you just need to manipulate the variables over time. Meaning like if you're lifting, you know, three to five reps, after a while you might do eight to 12 or you might do eight to 12 first and then you might do three to five after that and change those up as you go, go along. Gotcha. I've, uh, I've noticed and I've tried to stay consistent with this is in my older age, I'm trying to max out weight to failure on a couple different reps so, or a couple different sets. So like when I do a lift, uh, as heavy as possible, first set, uh, to failure, second set, a little bit less weight to failure. Mm-hmm. And from a time versus benefit, it seems like that's kind of working, but yeah, definitely too. And with your, with your less frequency, meaning if you're going three days a week, yeah, that's, that's more the way to do it because then you do the damage to the muscle, you know, and then you let it recover and then you do it again. And then you let it recover and you do it again. Yeah, in Where between, they, make sure you provide it the right nutrients to. Right. Build. Yeah, in between. Yeah. Where I don't, I don't necessarily go to failure because I do it every day. Yeah. So. So I'm I'm climbing the mountain again right now. Yes, so. sir. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, my next one was nutrition and recovery. What's your secret? I think you kind of answered that, but I don't know if you got anything else there. But. Yeah, I, I just try. Like I enjoy good good food, and I know like. Now I, I've been doing it so long, I don't feel right if I don't eat well. Yeah. So naturally, sure. like, I gravitate towards eating decent foods. Like, you know, I'll give you the quick day. Smoothie in the morning, eggs and oatmeal about two or three hours later, um, lunch, which is like chicken, rice, vegetable, and then, you know, workout, shake, supplements, and then might have another, like, a bar and a shake later on in the day and then dinner, same thing as lunch. And that's it. Every day. Cool. Weekends I take off. I eat whatever the heck I want on weekends. <laughs> so cheap sometimes, days. sometimes not at all because I'm chasing, you know, dragging my kids to sports and stuff. But I gotcha. Those are your pasta days. Yeah. Um some of the biggest challenges you've had in your career. I mean this this field, like anytime anybody asks me about getting into it, I'm like, you sure you want to do that? Because like I told you before, the pay, people do this stuff almost for free and they, they still are almost doing it for free just because I think, I think there's a, you know, there's some great things about it. And, you know, obviously you get to be in a weight room with a bunch of young people and um, get to experience great things. But, on the other side, like you work a lot of hours for no pay, especially first starting off. So that was a struggle, you know, trying to fight through that. Um, I'd say to some extent, your relationship, it can take a toll on your relationship with your spouse, especially like, you know, we don't have family here and that's one of the other things you have to move to where the jobs are. Um, I've been lucky. This is kind of unheard of to stay at a place as long as I have. Um, most 23 years i mean that's yeah i always like whenever i had folks that uh under my charge that hit milestones like that i made sure to like ultra you know 
celebrate that because it's very hard to find nowadays. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's a tough industry and, you know, and then you get, you get up, you know, I, once you hit, I don't know, 40 and you're like, what happens if I get fired now? Like, what am I going to do? Like, who wants me to come be an assistant strength coach? You know, it's like, or how am I going to get a head job? The only way you get head jobs is usually, you know, one of the coaches and you go with them. So, yeah. you know, I like, for example, when coach Munkin was an assistant here, he interviewed at Buffalo and he's like, asked me if I'd be interested in going to Buffalo. And honestly, that would have been probably one of my only ways out of here just to go to a different program, you know, and be a head strength coach. But I was like, my deal's too good. I'm making too good of money. I'm working with great people. It's a great area. I don't want to go to Buffalo. Yeah. No, I'm not interested. Working with a great group of people is 50% of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, obviously one of the one of the draws and why a lot of people will stay here so long yeah awesome <clears throat> well cool um only a couple more questions and we'll wrap this sucker up um any advice you'd have for aspiring players or even coaches for that fact in terms of like the navy side or yeah yeah oh man I just have to say, be prepared to grind. I mean, <laughs> you know, I I didn't have to go through half the stuff you guys had to go through. And I've always, had, like I said, I've admired guys' ability to do the work and put in the effort and do that consistently day in and day out for, you know, three and a half years. It's It, it truly amazed me and inspired me, you know, times where I thought, you know, maybe I was working hard. I'm like, I don't know. Am I working hard? Because I guess the way I look at it, there's always people out that can, they're maybe possibly outworking you. You can always work harder. You can always put more effort in. Um, so it's just, yeah. you know, Navy's a tough place and it's it's not for everybody. And, uh, I, you know, I think you just got to be, it's, it's hard to prepare yourself mentally to know you don't know what you're actually getting into until you get into it. You yeah. know, you're you're in it and you're like, oh man, this isn't what I expected. Yeah. And you gotta find a way. Yeah, there's there's some guys that gravitate to that, right? Like that. I'm not sure what's gonna happen. I'm gonna do it and see what happens. Yeah. Um and what I've what I've come to find is um that's where I thrive. Like that's I love that. I love put myself in a place where I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this or not. And let's just try. Let's see what happens. Right. 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 So good stuff. Um, second to last question. What's your biggest struggle that you're working through today? Man, the struggle, I, you know, I, this might be for everybody. I think I've heard it a few times and it really resonates with me, but it's just work-life balance, you know, family, balance. Yeah. you know, putting in the time, with uh the kids and you know i my wife would probably say that i often neglect her because i put so much effort into my kids um so it's just you know that's always been hard especially when i was working football now it's it's a little bit better i get a little more time you know to to be around so nice hopefully they all they all like me a little bit more now (laughs) gotcha all right Last one. What's your price of admission? 
you know, I, I was, I was thinking about, you know, price of admission, like, um, trying to think of, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of them and I'm like, again, I'm, I'm just a rock-headed strength coach. So putting, putting words together has always been a little bit difficult for me, but, um, you know, like, my my sole responsibility in life right now is you know obviously coming to work and, and doing my thing there but making sure that my kids are decent human beings and contribute to society um and that's what i put a lot of my effort into and uh i com- i compare and this is another navy football thing like a lot of i think coach Neamont and, and Johnson both said even if we do everything right, it only gives us a chance. So that's that's one of my mottos. Like even if I do everything right or put in the maximum effort, it's only gonna give my kids or me a chance to be successful at at life, you know, the short life that we have. So um you know, and through that I've always felt like, you know, I, I had, did I have it easy or did I have it hard? Did I put in as much effort as I could have, or did I not? Cause I'm always like, there's always somebody that has it harder than you. There's always somebody that puts in more effort than you, but I try to, I just try to keep working and doing the best that I can, um, you know, for myself, for people around me and especially for my kids. So, you know, and, and with work, it can get in the way sometimes, but you just gotta, you gotta do what you can. And, and hopefully, you know, you did enough in the, in the long run. Awesome. Well, um, I can tell you this, your impact has been great on, uh, on other folks that you're able to mentor along the way. I think a couple of memories came out already about that. And, uh, yeah, man, really appreciate all the all the work you did. Uh, you know, I remember countless workouts where you took the time to, uh, you know, mentor me on a couple of different occasions. So for that, I'm grateful. And um, yeah, I uh, appreciate your time tonight. Tell yeah. uh, Shannon, thank you. I will. I appreciate it. Tell your wife that. Thank you as well. And I, I appreciate it. Like I said, man, I'm, th- I'm thankful for all you guys. You guys don't, you know, you guys say I had an impact on you all, but I don't think y'all realize the impact uh, you all have had on my life. So it's a, yep. it's a great honor to have been part of that organization for as long as I had. That's a beautiful relationship right there. And you got two boys, two boys, Sam, yeah. Sam, Sam and Cameron, Sam right? and Cameron. Yep. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't name Sam after Sam Matthews, did you? I did not, but right. my middle name is actually Sam. So okay. we, we have that gotcha. in town. In fact, I was just with uh, Ben Matthews the other night at a track meet. Both our kids ran against each other in the in the hundred and two hundred. Nice. Hundred so, and two hundred. Yeah. Imagine Sam, that. Th- this is the thing. So Sam's kid Jack, or not Sam, I mean uh Ben Matthews' son, Jack beat my kid in the hundred. I think he beat him in the 200. So they finished first and second. And I'm like, well, that's uh that's D one speed versus D three speed. <laughs> you watch. 
it's going to reverse at some point. Everything awesome. always changes, right? <laughs> well, cool. All right, dude. I really appreciate the talk tonight. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, like I said, I appreciate it, tell, man. Keep doing what you're you. doing. I love listening. Awesome. We'll do. Take care. You too.